we can't forget about being human. Don't conduct your analysis in isolation because data is so incredibly powerful. Not defending just the tribe, but defending the organization. Those creative people that you really want to keep empowered, keep excited, keep motivated, keep thinking. A good experience pays dividends down the line. Stereotype breakdown and proximity. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast about human resources, business, technology, and the workplace. My name is Ben Eubanks, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey everyone, this is Ben Eubanks, host of We're Only Human, and I'm so glad to have you here for a discussion today. This year, this shift has pushed employers and pushed managers and pushed, goodness, individual employees to think about productivity in different ways. And for a long time, we just made assumptions that when someone shows up at the office, that they're getting the things done they need to. And suddenly, when people aren't showing up in an office anymore, it changes that conversation. And so today, we're going to talk about new tools, new technologies that can help us to understand better about who's getting their work done, how to help them, what support they need, things like that. And I'm really excited to talk to Tom Moran in the discussion today. Tom, welcome to the show, sir. Uh, thanks, Ben. It's a pleasure to be here and speaking with you this afternoon. Wonderful. So Tom is with ProtoScore, and we're going to dive into some of the work that, that you and the company are doing. But before we do that, tell us a little about who you are and what you do. Yeah, thank you, Ben. My name is Tom Moran. I'm Chief Strategy Officer at ProtoScore. So I focus on developing, communicating, executing, and most importantly, sustaining initiatives for ProtoScore. And at the center of all those initiatives, at the epicenter, if you will, is people, because that's essential to our strategy. And it's fundamentally what we believe in executing. So that's what I do for ProtoScore, but what ProtoScore as a company is doing. We've come to market with a new category of technology that really is focused on the future of work that's been coming for a period of time and driving business value through what we consider to be productivity intelligence. We firmly believe in the power of AI for positive impact and transformation, but simply what we're doing is evaluating employee engagement within business operations across business sections. And as those business operations have continued to evolve with different DX strategy and talk about streamlining experience, what we're doing is looking at ways to grab more valuable insight into what is multidimensional elements of productivity. So how do organizations get in front of that? So that's fundamentally at a very high level, what we're doing is focusing on productivity intelligence, Ben. And when you're not working on productivity intelligence, focusing on ProtoScore, what does Tom like to do when he's not at work? Yeah, gosh, I, I have a personal passion for scuba diving, number one. I have had the, the privilege to enjoy that in various dives throughout the sections of the globe. I like woodworking. I see a beginning and an end to that. So as much as I'm passionate about technology, I fundamentally like manual things I can put my hands on and see a beginning, a middle and an end to that. And knowing that details are important in both scuba diving for enjoyment and survival and with woodworking is fundamentally important to the end result too. So I love details and things. And those are two pieces that I really enjoy that give me some balance outside of the technology world. Wonderful. That is so neat. I did not have the woodworking skill, unfortunately. My my dad, I have three brothers, all of them got that where they can see something and just like you were saying, you can visualize it and understand it and know what you have to do to make that thing come out. I'm just, I'll 
call one of them and have them come do it because that is not <laughs> the skill that I have. I have to call Tom, get you on my short list to call <laughs> you next time I need some, some woodworking done. Wonderful. I highlighted this or alluded to this earlier as I was doing the intro, but companies have struggled for a long time with really understanding and quantifying productivity. I'd love for you to share from your perspective why you think that is, because this is you're having this conversation with employers every day. Why do you think we've always struggled to do that? Yeah, I think that a, a couple of things there. Number one, it's a natural inclination in leadership or management guidance to focus on outcomes. And those are outcomes are, are very important. But at the same time, our, our thought is getting leading indicators on the table for more effective coaching and performance. So I think for a long time, particularly in an office environment, engagement was measured in a different way. Is someone here at a certain hour that they should be here? Are they doing things in a meeting that I've asked them to do? As much as that might work in a historic environment, regardless of the shift to a distributed workforce, engagement has changed. Collaboration, the way people collaborate has changed. And as much as the shift towards distributed work has impacted employees and they've changed, uh, management has to get in front of that as well and think about different ways to lead. And I can think of so many conversations where C-level executives have not been in the position to say, gosh, how do I lead a a workforce that is 100% distributed now? I can no longer walk from my office down throughout the building and visit with development, visit with finance, visit with operations. I have to do that in different ways. And how can I do that effectively? That's number one. The second piece, Ben, is when the shift happened, I think a lot of people look towards using those same leadership methods that they used in, you know, in an in-office environment and trying to apply those same things to a distributed workforce. And I think that they met with resistance in some cases and failure to really adapt the way they needed to. And it, it, it's really about having information. And is that information being able to visually see someone in their office at their cubicle working? Or that is that information, does it manifest as meaningful data, useful data that gives leading indicators about how I'm engaged, the ways that I'm engaging, and how I'm ultimately going to deliver those outcomes. So I, I think that companies have struggled because they haven't really, you, you look at two types of executives. Number one, those that have been digitally determined. And maybe a bit of in front of the digital transformation strategy prior to COVID. And those that were more digitally distraught for different reasons, hesitance about making the shift, hesitance about the value of the interdependency of technology and humans, and how do I do that in a meaningful way? So uh, there's some complexity there, no doubt. But I think fundamentally, management has to shift the way they lead. And that's what we're trying to get in front of is providing that meaningful data presenting it in a way that it, it helps to empower management and at the same time provide opportunities, real opportunities for growth for employees within organizations, high performance growth. I love that. There's a, one of the phrases, my go-to phrases this year has been works the thing you do, not a place you go. Right? And that's the world that you eat and sleep and breathe. And you understand that, that deeply for some people though, that's a revelation. They never stopped to think about it from that that perspective. But the other piece, one of the things that 
stuck with me as you're talking about this stuff is managers in general, they are often promoted into that role because they've been there for a period of time. It's like, we have nowhere else to put you. So we'll move you into a manager slot. And they've often never been taught. Here's how you actually evaluate some performance. Here's how if they're getting their work done. Here's what your the indicators you're looking for and how to coach them. And some of those things you mentioned in that first piece earlier, right? How to effectively coach people, how to manage their performance. These people have not been given any sort of support in that area of training. It's here's the keys, good luck. Maybe you can bring it back in one piece. And <laughs> the we actually did some research last year and it showed that the number one way employers identify the skills of their people is to manage your observations. And if these managers haven't been taught how to do this, they're, they're, they're doing their best to, no one's, none of these managers wake up like, how can I really be terrible today? But at the same time, if they don't have the right tools and things in place, they don't have the right resources, they don't have things like you're providing to help give them those insights, they're often flying blind, right? Yeah. When you talk about observation, is it physically seeing or is that observation? Is it visibility, the right kind of visibility? Because look, data is not going to replace skill, judgment, and ability. Data can be a supplement to that, a healthy supplement to that. But should there always be a balance of emotion in logic, in leadership, in managing people and people executing there's an art and the science to it. The data takes care of the, the, the science part. Uh, the human element is more the artful side of execution. And then when you talk about leading people, fundamentally, Protoscore is so passionate about what opportunity this brings for positive transformation in organizations. The objectivity we bring to the table has to be balanced with good empathy for the people. And you're so spot on when you, when you talk about encouraging managers, empowering them in the right way to create that visibility. And that visibility isn't introspective to the point of saying, what's Tom doing every moment of the day? But what are those behaviors that he's doing? What are those quantitative and qualitative things that he's delivering that are going to you know, ultimately end up with the right outcomes for the company that he's working for? If that resonates with you, Ben. Yes. You used objectivity in there. And that was, I was going to skip over that, but probably, we probably shouldn't. One of the issues there's a, uh, right now I'm blanking on the, on the title of it, but there's actually some research that has pulled together the list of different biases that affect how humans make decisions. And there's nearly 200 of them ranging far and wide from very minuscule things that just affects what you're wearing today, all the way to really large impacts on things like who we hire and how we manage people, for instance. And the the issue with, like you were saying, if it's just a someone looking at someone else, we automatically, like it or not, have some sort of bias in that. And that's going to, that might flavor how we perceive someone's performance, perceive how they're getting their work done or not. And if we're missing that objective layer of insight, that objective layer of data, then we're, there's a chance, again, not everyone, no one's doing this on purpose, probably, let's hope not, but there's there's an opportunity there to really level the playing field, making sure we're assessing everyone equally, everyone gets the same chance to perform, and we're not shortchanging someone because of a bias, whether it's conscious or unconscious, you're taking that out when we actually look at the actual data points and things. So one of the one of the words you or phrases you used earlier is this positive transformation. And so I was hoping you could share with us, because I have the benefit, the audience doesn't have the benefit of actually understanding yet what ProtoScore does. I'm hoping you can share a little more specifically, maybe in a customer story, uh, even if it's anonymous, it doesn't matter to me. Talk about a customer that's used this, how it's benefiting them, 
what sort of insights they're getting because I'd love for the audience to really get a clear picture of what Protoscore does. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I will keep the customer anonymous, please. But I, I, I do want to just 10 seconds, give you all a view on how we're accomplishing what we accomplish with visibility. We're gathering data from cloud-based applications that are being utilized by the knowledge-based workforce on a day-to-day basis. Things like uh, the Office Suite, whether it be Google or Microsoft, UCAS solutions that might be in place for cloud-based voice communications, all those video collaboration tools. If someone is using a CRM application or many marketing type tools that are out there, we're grabbing data from that, applying AI, machine learning, and natural language processing elements to roll that data up into a meaningful score and then putting deep qualitative and quantitative data behind that. So what our customers doing with this? Let me give you an example of one technology company that has been engaged with Protoscore for a period of time and a couple of things that they initially were looking for and what they ultimately found. Number one, they were looking for ways to measure engagement. And measuring engagement sometimes means, hey, are my employees set in, in, do they have a clear understanding of what the objectives are and how are they going about accomplishing that? So rather than waiting to the end of a period, whether that period be a week, a quarter, a year, whether it be at the end of a project cycle or, or throughout the project cycle, how do I get meaningful information? And what this organization found through different data points that we provided is deep engagement throughout their organization. Did they have employees at risk of attrition for not performing? Yes, quite frankly, the bigger challenge that they saw was that people were, let's say, on the verge of burning out. And since we measure productivity and what people are delivering throughout a 24-hour period, really, of the day, We can see when someone engages, when they pause, and when they continue engaging. So we're mapping quantitative, qualitative, and behavioral elements of the workday. And I can remember distinctly the CEO communicating to us about the fact that he was very concerned about his CFO because he uses the application and his CFO, all of his senior executive team does as well. And he saw the high levels of over-engagement, if you will, with his CFO. And the conversation went more to the fact, are there things that can be delegated? Do we need to add resources? In other words, encouraging that important element of digital health. And along with digital health, there comes times in the day where you, you, you need the you know, detox, if you will. You need the digital detox. And I, I, I say that with a smile because you hit that 12th, 13th hour, how effective are you? Are you engaged? Yeah, you are. But can it be detrimental? Yes, it can. So not only did we get uh, information to the organization about those that needed to be coached for higher levels of performance we had the opportunities to provide guidance, even at a senior level within the organization of maybe ways to trim back for more healthy engagement. There are elements of sediment analysis that we do. So with respect to discussion points, whether it be through e-communications, whether it's through video collaboration or voice communications, what's the tone and tenor of the messaging? And that's a, a behavioral element, if, if you will. There's collaboration evaluation with natural language processing. So we're looking at key words that are communicated. And for the maximum effectiveness, what are some of those outbound messaging points that an organization should be using 
whether they're engaging from the standpoint of support or new business development or measuring that. Most importantly, I think for this organization, it goes back to the objectivity piece. And that was when we shined the light, if you will, we shined it equally across all levels in that company. And again, it was C-level executives, mid-level managers, on down through the organization and up through the organization. So they were able to evaluate not only individual performance, there was peer-to-peer elements, which curiously led to some healthy competition. And I do want to underline healthy competition. There was manager-to-manager viewpoints. And what are the things that one manager is doing that's effectively driving performance to higher levels than perhaps another manager? And executive to manager, if I have, in other words, an opportunity with ProtoScore to evaluate not only what I'm doing as a manager, but how effective my team is doing under my guidance, do I report to someone? Absolutely. And do I have an opportunity to improve if my subordinates, if you will, or those that are reporting to me, working alongside me, their scores aren't where they need to be or their performance isn't where they need to be. So when you look at the the organizational impact, the light creates transparency and we encourage that transparency because we operate then in a way that's not intrusive. It's not disruptive to workflow. And most importantly, it's not complicated to understand and to utilize. So the organization that I'm talking about in particular was able to really across the entire enterprise, get a whole different understanding of digital transformation for themselves, because we sit right at the, the, think of it as being right at the hub of the digital transformation strategy. All the cloud tools that distributed workforce is using, again, voice communications, email communications, video collaboration. If I'm using a CRM tool, all of those tools, having all that information vectored in one dashboard so everybody gets a clean look and the data is not disparate. It's not in, in different places. It's all in one simple place. And that's what we've accomplished with this company. And it's uh, been amazing to see the impact on their performance. And most importantly, we measure not only renewals of contracts, but also the uh, additional employees that are added on to licensing. And we get into organizations and let's say they initially do 50 or 75 employees. And then all of a sudden they do 150 And then ultimately their entire enterprise, that's meaningful because it tells us that we're doing the right things and encouraging healthy behavior and empowering the organization in the right way, not with sticks, not with carrots, but with useful information that provides opportunities for growth because that's what people want. Nobody wants to be a bad employee. Nobody wants to be a bad manager or leader. I actually had that. I think I used that phrase earlier today is no, no manager wakes up like, how can I be bad at what I'm doing today? <laughs> and yet some of them just haven't had the right tools, again, the right resources, the right support to be able to really do it effectively. And so they focus on one thing or the other because it's what they know and it might end up being the wrong thing for that relationship. And there was a, actually a story that I remember reading years ago in this book that talked about this healthcare system and they had teams and they were rated either red or green based on their performance. And they wanted to understand some of the drivers of that, what was impacting that. And said, so first, let's look at the managers. So they took the managers from the red teams, which were performing poorly, and swapped them with managers from green teams, which were performing well, and came back and, and re-measured them six months later and found that they had all flipped. The performance of the teams had flipped because the managers played a key role in how things get done, enabling work to get done. They're not doing all the work themselves, but the 
culture they create, that little subculture on their team, either enables or prevents people from really bringing their best self to work. And that that ties in so well because you talked about things like, you know, healthy competition, things like that. But I'm gonna, if you don't mind, I'm gonna put my devil's advocate hat on for a second here and say, well, you're looking at all this different data. You can see this kind of information about your employees down to a pretty granular level. How do we stop bad actors from using that information? For, for their own nefarious purposes. I'm going with all the, the comic book cartoony kinds of uh, bad guy themes here. How do we keep someone from being the, the snidely whiplash of the workforce and trying to use this in a negative way? How would you respond to that? Yeah, thanks, Ben. Data is so powerful. Use the right way. And this is what we encourage through our subject matter expertise and our guidance that we give to our clients. And and most importantly, the commitment that we make to our customers. And that is, let's leverage data insights in ways that are moral, meaningful, and responsible. And I'm quoting our chief marketing officer, Nadine Asraf, with respect to that, because it's something that we march directly behind. And so what fills in that? Number one, it starts with being transparent. In other words, when I talked about the success story with the technology company a couple minutes ago and profiled some of the successes we've had, it was making sure that all information that's captured and evaluated, it's being done in an equitable way. And most importantly, in a way that enables the organization, enables managers, enables employees that really drive people to higher levels of outcomes that everybody wants to deliver. Number two, honoring privacy with respect to the data that we're delving into. And we have the highest respect with you know, regards to data integrity, how the data is stored, who sees the data, the hierarchy that clients want established, and encouraging by doing that the right employee development, healthy peer-to-peer competition, and, and, and balanced management that is informed, but yet not hitting one person against another person, one team against another team. We can't forget about being human. I love, and I live and breathe every day, this technology world. And I believe so much in about what we're doing to help organizations. There's a tremendous opportunity with interdependency, really meaningful engagement of technology with humans in the workforce. And everyone loves streamlining the experience for employees. And that's whether someone's part-time, full-time, whether they're a consultant, whether they're a contractor, where they're engaging doesn't matter. It's where, where you talk about bringing your best self to work, but is that work, is it a place or is it how I engage and where I engage and when I engage? So we encourage people to remember to be human. And, and most importantly, nothing is a snapshot in time. We look for trends. We measure over periods of time. We measure across the organization, other people in the same roles, managers, peers within uh, the ranks of a finance team or an ops team or a sales team, and, and look for comparative measurements that are trended over a period of time. There are always blips. There are always outliers. But objectivity and equitable interpretation is so very important. So it's fundamentally how we work away from someone feeling that gosh, they're really crawling up in me and they're really getting too introspective. No, we're quite frankly, we're encouraging people to equally engage in the technology and learn and perform better because that's what everybody wants to do. And that's the guidance that we give and the commitments that we make to our clients. 
one of my one of the people that I love to to listen. He's always got a, a good quote or something to drop on you. One of his favorite ones is, "Life is a film strip. It's not a snapshot." And so it's yeah. it's not about just saying I'm going to latch onto this one thing, but let's look at the trends over time. And if there is a trend there, it could start a good conversation. It could start a helpful conversation. It could start a conversation where we help the person find what is right for them if this is right for them. But having this data behind it helps that to be a more objective conversation and not just a, it wasn't me, it's you or whatever else people want to throw out there. One of the things you said earlier in the conversation, I actually wrote down, I think it was, I think it was insightful and may end up being the teaser for this episode. Who knows? You said, this is about evaluating engagement and business opportunities in tangible ways. And so often we look at engagement from an HR, a management perspective in terms of how do people feel? What's the survey response? And the difference is you actually are getting real behaviors. You're able to see if people are actually engaged in doing the things we want them to be doing or if they're not. And I think that creates a real interesting and clear perspective there. So if someone's listening today, they're like, goodness, this sounds really cool. This sounds interesting. This sounds like something I want to know more about. How can someone learn more? Sure. Number one, our website is www.protoscore.com. That's proto, P-R-O-D-O-S-C-O-R-E, as in productivity score. And there is a wealth of information there, many case studies, actions that we've taken jointly with our clients to improve their organizations. Feel free to reach out to me directly. My email address is tom at protoscore.com. And I'd, I'd love forward engagement and discussion with anyone interested in talking with us. Wonderful. I'll make sure you get that link in the show notes. And I've enjoyed this. I, I thought I knew what I was going to expect today. And I still had a, have a ton of notes and things from the conversation because you have some really good one-liners. It's going to be a hard time for me to figure out which ones I want to use and really highlight highlight the episode. But I just want to thank you for your time, Tom. I appreciate you. I appreciate Nadine and the team for the conversations recently and for your time today. This has been really helpful, insightful, and I hope that the audience hears this and begins to think differently about productivity. So I appreciate you joining me. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Honored to be with you, Ben. Thank you very much. Wonderful. To everybody else, thank you for joining us on another episode of We're Early Human. I'm Ben Eubanks, your host, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm honored to have you as a listener. If you enjoyed this episode, please take 10 seconds to rate it at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you know a friend that could benefit from today's conversation, please pass it their way. After all, a rising tide lifts all ships. To see show notes, sponsor information, and our full show archives, visit OnlyHumanShow.com.